<laughs> Absolutely. You know, when I introduce myself, Kevin, I'm like, I'm Thomas. Any teen violence in your life? <laughs> Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Forest and Features. The boys are back, Kevin. Yeah, we're back together in the same room. I know I missed the last one, but I was busy directing my own show yeah, for the One right. Act Festival, yeah, it's, so... it's fine. I guess, I guess it's fine. You had stuff to do or whatever. I, I was busy. It. I just, you know... I'm glad I, you're back. I missed you. I'm not going to yeah, lie. I missed you too, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, uh, we're back together for uh, another podcast to talk about another show that is coming up here at The Forest Inn. Yes, and this one is pretty special for... The both of us, because we, we've we both performed in this show before. Yeah, it brings us back. It like was, a whole lifetime ago. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime ago. It was, what, 10 years ago, maybe yeah, longer? Yeah, yeah. It was at UW Manswalk, but uh, the show we're talking about is? Is Dog Sees God, Confessions of a Teenage Blockhead. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a mouthful, but it's a really cool show. Um, it's the first show uh, in our rep of... Charlie Brown shows that we're presenting here at the Forest Inn. Uh, so we'll be presenting two shows over the next month and a half that will be alternating weekends, and Dog Sees God is opening that up. And the next week is You're a Good Man, Charlie, Charlie Brown. Brown. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to see Dog Sees God this Saturday, and then um, You're a Good Man next week, so that'll yeah, be really cool. so you just got to buy tickets for everything, but um, <laughs> make sure that you get... Tickets for this for this special show. Thomas, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Well, sure. Um, first of all, it was written by Bert V. Royal. When CB's dog dies from rabies, CB, Charlie Brown, they call him CB in the show, uh, begins to question the existence of an afterlife. His best friend is too burnt out to provide any coherent speculation. His sister has gone goth, his ex-girlfriend has recently been, been institutionalized, and his other friends are too inebriated to give him any sort of solace. But a chance meeting with an artistic kid, the target of this group's bullying, offers CB a peace of mind and sets in motion a friendship that will push teen against the very limits. Drug use, suicide, eating disorders, teen violence, rebellion, and sexual identity, you know, just a few things. Uh, Clyde and Kareen together toward an ending that's both haunting and hopeful. Mm -hmm. You know, I call all of these like holiday family dinner topics. Absolutely. I bring these up every uh, Christmas. Yes. Yes. Are, <laughs> this is the, the perfect catalyst to, to facilitate conversations at Thanksgiving. Um, so let's introduce you to our guests. We have... Some wonderful humans here, so let's have them introduce themselves. Hey there, I'm Lisa Hiley, and I am the captain of this ship. I'm directing Dog Sees God. Hi, I'm May. I play CB. Hi, I'm Carter, and I'm playing Beethoven. Who is Schroeder in the original Peanuts gang? Yep, right. One of my favorite uh, parts about this show, when, when I read it, and I'm not sure the audience will understand it right away but it's to get around the copyright of of charlie brown they changed some of the characters names to be reminiscent of their their comic counterparts so when you come see this show it'll be fun to differentiate who's who right and they don't use the name snoopy i don't even know if we can really talk about an association but i mean 
Laying, they're laying it on pretty thick, yeah, right? right? No, no, CB's dog. CB's <laughs> dog, Kevin. It's not Snoopy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Lisa, we're going to turn the, the hot seat on you right away as we do. You've directed out here before, and you direct a lot, and you do a really great job uh, with everything that you do. What? Thank you, Kevin. Well, I'm just being honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what drove you to Dog Sees God? That's a really good question. There is this guy named Kevin Sievert who um, <laughs> seems to have just kind of mentioned to Michael Sheeks that hey, wouldn't it be cool if we did Dog Sees God and You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown in Rep? And I'm not sure if Kevin was serious or not, but all of a sudden it was on the schedule and Kevin was directing You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. So, <laughs> yeah. so the joke's on Kevin. Yeah. But um, I, Michael asked me to take uh, leadership of Dog Sees God and I had seen it back when Kevin and Thomas did it at UW-Manitowoc, and it's an amazing show, and it made a huge impression on me. So I'm very honored to be able to do this show. Uh, can I ask if either one of you or either one of you two have explored exactly why the title is a palindrome? No, I didn't. You didn't notice? I didn't notice it was a palindrome. For those of the listeners that don't know, palindromes are phrases or words that are spelled the same forward and backward, and dog sees God is a palindrome. Have, have you explored that? I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I should. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, uh, that might be a, a drink over, hey, okay. drink after the show kind of conversation. Sure. Palindromes. <laughs> I'm sure it maybe just would have been clever. I don't know if it has any sort of relevance to the show in its capacity, but maybe we're overlooking something. But right. it is an interesting thought. I mean... You know, if you come and see Dog Sees God and can't come up with a reason for the palindrome, I will give you a hug. Me too. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so something fun for us is, again, yeah, that we did the show, you know, 10 years ago. Um, it was the first show that I had done at UW Manitowoc, and it was the first show that, you know... Uh, bless his heart, Ray Pritchard directed when he was still the director over there. Mm -hmm. um, so I think one of the things I really liked about the show when we did it is I was at an age where I was kind of coming to the terms of like, okay, what was what is it that I'm going to do with my life? And I had a little bit of slight identity crisis as a whole to be able to kind of, you know, come to terms with that. Um, but I think something about the show that was interesting is that there's always a character within the show that, you know, a lot of people kind of relate to in some capacity. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of has sort of that integration of different personalities at an age where everyone is so impressionable yeah so sure. in in some ways i think everyone kind of relates to a character so what i would like to ask the cast is is there a character besides the role that you play that you kind of relate to or do you relate to the character that you play um within your personal life or etc you see that's a tough question um i've thought a lot about Charlie Brown, obviously, um, but in the context of the show, he's like the everyman character. It's been difficult to nail down what to do with him. Everybody else has a thing. Yeah. Um, I guess his thing is that his dog's dead, but... <laughs> See, I don't know if I have a thing either. It's, it's difficult for me to think about the other characters in relation to myself. I mean, I personally connected with my character right off the bat. Um, as someone who grew up in a small town and came out as trans and gay, like 
experienced a lot of bullying and all that kind of stuff, so it was pretty easy for me to connect with Beethoven as a character. But I mean, I I get what you mean. Like, CV doesn't really have like a like thing. I don't know. Angst. Oh. Lots of angst. Yeah. yeah and um, uh, one thing that I think is <laughs> super fun, um, again, bringing it back to when I did the show with Thomas, I was 20. I had to be a, like 20, 21 or something. And then I ended up working in schools. And um, this show is rated R, by the way, which is something that we should mention because um, it... it uh, liberally, liberally uses expletives, but um, I, I, I like realize now having like worked with students and Carter. I know you. Well, you work with younger students, but these characters sound real and they feel real to like the culture that of of kids in schools right now absolutely yeah and i mean you just graduated last year from high school i did um i i wasn't in these type of circles so <laughs> i don't have a lot of firsthand experience but it it is a very real writing um i just i don't know i'm not drinking on the weekends sure <laughs> <laughs> but you being so so fresh out of school is it weird kind of tapping back into those experiences now that you've experienced college and the real world again? Not really. Um, <laughs> I think um, what I've mostly been struggling with in terms of like my age in proximity to these characters is like thinking about how they would have changed as they grew up. Um, because it's, it's obviously a turn for the unexpected. But, like, when I was a kid, who would have projected who I am now? Um, I think it speaks to a lot of, like, the potential for anything and anyone. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was really weird. No, I totally, I totally feel where you're coming from here. One of the challenges of the CB character that I kind of embraced when I first started it is I, I do identify with what you're saying because he, really, he doesn't really have the thing. He's the fly in the wall and the subject and is more of the person who watches the people around him have you know their occurrences and he's kind of a part of them for different reasons um and i think there's a lot of people within friend groups that are a lot who are a lot like that um and i know that i have related to being that person in the past where i feel like i'm just kind of on the sideline experiencing these things that other people are doing so in a lot of ways cb has that kind of circumstance so like mm -hmm. I, I very much relate and agree with what you know you kind of see on it where it's just like he's just kind of there he's 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 the experiencer i guess in a weird way you know what i mean so i he totally get that it has to be a blank slate in order for you to find your way into the right and he characters. and he has a very interesting arc towards the end because everything kind of just bubbles over and then he just is like none of this matters none of this is important and etc so it's kind of like this whole culmination of all these different things kind of thrown at him all at once and it just feels like too much it's too much you know so i think it's very interesting that the playwright had chosen to use the context of the peanuts world uh for his play now i know that you know for copyright issues etc he can't you know, 
talk about that specifically. However, I mean, it's, it's very, it's layered on pretty thick here. You know what I mean? So uh, something that I found really interesting about this show that if you guys wanted to speak on a little bit, it's just, it's interesting to me that I feel like these characters did not necessarily end up the way that, um, anyone projected these characters to end up, you know what I mean? The way that the, the, different ways that you know you get the media of the peanuts through the movies and the comic strip etc um they deal with some issues but it's like they all kind of come together and they're all friends and everything is happy which is comforting and heartwarming and is a reason people like the peanuts but this show is nothing like that (laughs) it has some very hard content some very real things that happen to people it's dramatized a bit because a lot of plays are right but i mean some of the themes that they talk about in the show are very real so i'm just curious on your guys' thought on why they would choose the peanuts i i think the main reason well number one what may said is that you never know what is going to happen to any one person in this life and how things are going to affect them but truthfully this is telling um real stories about real teenagers and they're telling it's telling important stories and if it just told the stories without hooking it to the peanuts the audience could just say yeah whatever but hooking it to the peanuts means that they're invested in these characters already they love these characters therefore they're invested in what happens to them therefore what happens might actually change their hearts mm-hmm I completely agree. I think it's all about connection. So I work with elementary leveled children. And like, I know, like, for May, like, you just got out of high school, and you're in college. And like, you just kind of went through that. But like, I'm working with kids K through five right now. And like, I can see different aspects of each character and different kids that I work with, like, a lot of struggles with mental health issues again and like more kids are coming out as like gay trans lesbian like earlier in their lives and i think that like like lisa said having that connection to something that like we all grew up on and putting it into like the perspective of these people change they're not always going to stay like happy and the same friends and all that kind of stuff is super important and is very realistic for kids today too. One thing that, one theme that permeates the show is um, identity and like sexual identity and expression, uh, which I think is really, you know, topical. Uh, And it's Pride Month, so it's important that the show is happening right now, I think too. But, I don't want, I want to try to avoid some spoilers with uh, exactly how it's expressed, but um, how, can, can you kind of muse about this idea of identity and how identity uh, plays out in the show? So playing Beethoven is like he already kind of had the identity but it was like so pushed down by other people and i experienced that growing up as well so like it was kind of easier for me to find that like niche of like okay you have to like hide it almost type of thing and then i think i just think it's important that we have something going on at the forest like this like like you said during pride month because a lot of people don't realize that like 
there are people in this county that go through these things. Like, oh it's a very, like, people don't think it's a thing type of situation around here a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, personally connecting with the characters helped a lot. I mean, for me personally, I don't know. I mean, I think one of the cool things about this particular production is that nearly all of us are queer or genderqueer in some way. And it's it's just making more visible LGBTQ plus people than what is written in the script. And I think it's unorthodox and awesome and um, probably going to be great. And I hope not too many people walk out. <laughs> Just to be honest with you, because I am honestly afraid. You know what you said about um, holiday dinner conversations? I will not be inviting my grandma. (laughs) Um. I, first of all, I I love what you brought up about um, how the cast, you know, connects personally um, with, with the with the show through identity, which I think is a beautiful thing um, to be able to hop up on stage and really just be, be, just be. I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, and, but one thing that, that strikes me, um, and I don't know, I could be leaning too hard into this personally, but I also think this is also part of like a larger conversation in like the queer communities is knowing your identity, but also being comfortable and okay with not conforming or necessarily knowing oh what that God. identity is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think CB goes through that kind of journey doesn't he a little bit oh absolutely yeah um and so have i Mm -hmm. i've so i have so tried to fit into the norms that are like set inside the lgbtq community there are so many instances of like gatekeeping and infighting and at at a certain point you have to just let it all go and be you and i think that's why a lot of people are leaning toward not having any labels toward sexuality or gender or what have you, because it just, it allows people to be human and not be a poster child of something. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit rambly. I'm sorry. I loved it. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least in my experience being on the other side of that circumstance and, um, but having a lot of friends who go through something of that nature, Um, I think I was grateful growing up with the perspective that, you know, I did theater a lot in my age, um, at my Mm -hmm. time that I really welcomed the individuality of a person as an individual, as opposed to whatever it is that they, or even society classifies themselves as, because to me, it's just be a good person and be unique to yourself and be true to yourself. And that's the two most important things that you can try to be in life. You know, um, I think what's interesting is the show was, I don't even know, but I was curious when it was actually written because it's been, it's already been 13, no, 23 years since, nope, nope, 13 years since we did it. <laughs> Sorry, 10 years. I'm all over the place. Um, it's been 10 years since we did it. And at the same time, 
you know, some of this stuff is still very much important, if not even more addressed now than it was Mm -hmm. then. You know, I graduated high school in 2008. It was a very different world in 2008. Um, It was more just there and we all kind of understood that. And you were either for it or against it. Um, So it's very interesting, you know, that at my age at this point, it's turned so much and I'm way out of that culture to this point where it's just like, I just like people. or, Mm -hmm. or You know what I mean? So it's just, I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah. I I just wanted to zero in on the celebrating people for who they are. Um, I have I have nine children. For those of you are listening that do not know that, um, May is my youngest of nine. And um, my if I have a thesis of motherhood, it's doing doing the best that I can to support all of my children being exactly who they are. And, and fostering that and not trying to squish them down. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried. So I here I feel like I'm pseudo-parenting this little beautiful ragtag group of LGBTQ <laughs> plus and ally cast. And we're telling this beautiful story together. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Kind of going back to what Thomas is saying about like how you've been doing theater for so long and like, back then it was more just kind of like okay people are who they are and it's kind of whatever like I didn't come out until like my mid-teen years and I didn't do any theater besides Pitt (laughs) until last October because I was petrified of like people like not getting casted for stuff because I'm gay or not getting casted for stuff because I'm trans and like changing around other people that aren't trans like it's but like I don't know, at least here, like, it's great. You don't really have to worry about that. So that has changed a lot, too. Because, I mean, even in high school, like, I would, like, sign up for things. And I'm like, I'm going to audition. And then it would come, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like, I am terrified. But it's just so much more, like, chill now. And, like, I don't I don't feel like I have to fit, like, oh, yes, this character is X, Y, Z. I must fit that exactly, you know? Like, you kind of have to form your own identity around the character and it's just a lot easier to do that now and mm-hmm. i appreciate it it's great nice i i'm grateful that you found a community that you feel that way yeah, i think it's, it's super important i i was lucky that my parents put me in theater early on in my life to where even being um you know uh who i am i still felt more welcome in a community that was open to whoever it is that you wanted to be as opposed to a projection of what who you're supposed to be theater has always been that way and it's one of the encompassing themes about it that why it was so important to me growing up Mm -hmm. so i love i love this conversation thomas Mm -hmm. um i'm i am going to i'm going to turn the turn the tide a little bit um to kind of wrap this up with one fun little question sure um what is your favorite peanut special? My first would be the Christmas special, mostly because of the dancing, I think, and the tree. And and there's a piece of me that really loves you, the Great Pumpkin. I would go with the Great Pumpkin because, I mean, that's like the one that was consistent in my childhood that I grew up with. So that one is definitely has a special place in my heart. Can I admit something? Oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. May. <laughs> I wasn't really a Peanuts kid, um, <laughs> which uh, I had to do research for this role. <laughs> I couldn't access many of the specials 
but I watched the Peanuts movie and I saw that one in theaters um, when it came out. So it's really good. Um, <laughs> um, but I think I did watch The Great Pumpkin. Wasn't too into it. I like the music from the Christmas special. Yeah. yeah. That's a good all-encompassing answer. You kind of just you ran all of the bases with that one. I don't know. I'm cool with it. I don't know how many there are. <laughs> I wasn't a penis kid either, so you're not the only one. I couldn't decide because I don't know them well enough. Oh my god, we're both CD. Yep, we yeah, both did yep. <laughs> just so great. Both know nothing about your source material. Just kidding. Aww. You did a great job. Anne May is doing a great job. And Carter's doing a great job. And Lisa did a great job with you guys. So... Well, thank you everyone for coming in and just talking about the show and talking about some of the themes in the show. We really, really appreciate it. It was some great insight. I had a great time. Oh, absolutely. You guys rock. Uh, let's tell them, them peoples, them how peoples. to, let's tell them peoples how to get tickets for this shindig. Well, them peoples can get tickets at theforestin.org. Um, right there, there's an option just to look at tickets that are available. If you want to go over some performance dates there, Kevin. Sure. Um, so they open tomorrow which is the oop the ninth okay oh, nope <laughs> um uh so you can catch uh them june 9th june 23rd and july 14th those are all the friday performances with uh the pub opening at six and the show at 7 30 uh you can catch them on saturday twilight performances on june 10th June 24th and July 15th with the pub opening at 2.30 and the show starting at 4. And then you can catch them on their Sunday matinees, June 11th, June 25th, and July 16th, which is their closing performance with the pub opening at 12.30 p.m. and the show starting at 2. I cannot wait to see the show on Saturday. I love this show, yeah. so I'm super I excited. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening to us ramble on and on and on. We're having a great time. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Uh, until next time, Kevin, I'll talk to you later, buddy. Bye.